Praise the Lord, everybody. It feels like we're going to have church tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Give honor to your wonderful pastor, Brother Stevenson. Wonderful man of God. Extremely anointed man of God. There's some people you interact with and you connect with, and the honest truth is you would prefer if you were never around that person again. But Brother Stevenson is not that way. There's something so special about your pastor that I just want to be around him more and more and more. You can tell how much he prays. You can tell he's more than a preacher, but that he is a minister and that he is a man of God that loves this church and loves all of you people. He loves all of you. I'm thankful for the kind of pastor that you have in this place tonight. I don't know if you feel it, but I trust that you do. It feels like there's a stick of dynamite that's resting in this service tonight. And all that dynamite is waiting for is for somebody that is willing to light the fuse and to do whatever has to be done to see a spiritual Holy Ghost explosion in this place tonight. I'm going to move quickly and get out of the way because I'm not your speaker tonight. But I just want to say quickly that there was a night at my home not too many weeks ago, Brother Stevenson, where I just began to experience such condemnation, just guilt, as if I had done something terribly wrong. It felt as if I had gone out and murdered someone, just this feeling of guilt, of shame and condemnation. And I tried to ignore it. I tried to shake the feeling off, trying to understand what is going on. This is just my own mind. This is just my own mind messing with me, my own mind working on me. And the whole time I'm steadily saying, God, whatever this is, you've got to get this off of me. I, I've, I've repented of anything I can think of. I don't know anything that I have done wrong. This is a spirit that is attacking me, but I don't know how long I can put up with feeling this way. And I continued to push the thoughts off, but the thoughts would never leave. But the interesting thing is the whole time I'm begging God to make this feeling go away. I keep seeing the flashes of images in my mind, and I continue to see myself step out of the room that I am in and walk into the living room. I'm seeing this in my own mind and jump and shout and scream and dance all across that living room. But I continue to push it 
to the side and say, those are crazy thoughts. Why am I even thinking that way? But something funny happens when you're willing to get desperate enough to see something change. What seemed crazy before, when a change is not happening from just sitting there and begging and praying and asking for a change, you get really ready and willing to step out and do whatever you've got to do to see a change happen. And all I'm going to say tonight, all I'm going to say tonight, and I'm out of the way, is I finally got desperate enough that I got tired of that feeling enough that I didn't care if they could hear me down the road. I didn't care if somebody walked in the house. I didn't care if somebody saw me. Brother Stevenson, I got desperate for something to change because I could not continue to feel that way. So you know what I did? What I should have done from the very first image that flashed through my mind. I said, well, there's nobody in the house but me. The only person that's going to think I look crazy is me. But I've got desperate enough to do anything if it means a change is going to happen. And I'm going to tell you, I walked into that living room with a made-up mind. And when I walked into that living room, something hit me and something fell on me. And I shouted and I screamed and I, dumped, I jumped and I danced and I ran across inside of that room. I ran around the entire inside of that building. I ran and grabbed the front door and I walked through every room of the house shouting and screaming and jumping and telling God how good he is and pointing into every room and saying, whatever you are, you are not welcome here. You are not needed here. I bind every spirit that that's in this home and you have to go and I could feel it when something brushed by me and ran out of my house and ran out that front door and when I felt it something hit me again and I fell on my face and I began to weep and sob and cry and God spoke to me and said boy he said, I've been trying to tell you you're a worshiper and your worship can get anything that comes against you out of this house because I'm telling you when you're willing to get desperate for a change and you're willing to step out and do whatever it is you've got to do I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost the change just comes why don't we worship him one more time tonight hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Remain standing. We're going to have service next week. Sunday night, Brother B.E. Stanley, who was with us several weeks back, I've already rescheduled him, so I'll be preaching Sunday morning. He'll be preaching on Sunday night. But on Monday and Tuesday, we'll have Brother Frederick with us next week. So make plans to be in the house of the Lord. I wouldn't miss a service. Amen. Put your hands together and welcome brother and sister Frederick. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight? We're very honored to be here again with all of you. And I'll be honest. I got about, I was looking and added it up. 
from Sunday to Sunday, I'm doing a little over 2,000 miles driving. So I get a little wore down. But I told my pastor, I said, this church is such a good church that once you get in the atmosphere, you start feeling refreshed. And it's worth it. Some places, you wouldn't want to drive three minutes to preach. Others, three hours, it don't seem as bad. Um, Some places, you go to preach and you're the only one there, even if there's 500 of them. Then there's other places that believe in a move of the Spirit and moving with the Spirit, that they help you and they pull things out of you and miracles happen and great things take place I'm saying that to say that um, I'm doing everything that I can do to be here on the services that we're here and you know, next week I ought to be in Texas um, Friday this week Saturday, Sunday so I'm preaching like eight times in five days and then Monday we're going to be back up here, and Tuesday, and then Wednesday I got to be in Senatobia, Mississippi, right beside Memphis. So I'm running all over the world, and I'm not saying that to complain. I'm saying that to say that I'm here on purpose. I'm here on purpose. This isn't the only place we could be, but it'd probably be the only place that I'd be in the will of God being right now. So I'm thankful that you're showing up to church, allowing us to be here with you. I'm believing that starting tonight, we can see somebody get the Holy Ghost every service. I believe that. Could you lift your hands and just ask the Lord to help me for a moment? I need some direction from Him. Help me, Holy Ghost. Help me, Holy Ghost. Help me, Holy Ghost. Ten minutes before I got to this church, I felt such a heavy shift in my spirit. I'm trying to feel it out. I'm going to need your help tonight. I want to go to Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. I've only preached this one other time. It's not a well-structured, pretty message. But I'm believing the Lord's going to help us tonight. I feel like the Lord's wanting to talk to somebody there's somebody here that you're on God's mind honor you tonight Pastor Stevenson your wife your great family where where are your children at I haven't even met them that's one there's another one where's the other one my goodness You boys ought to not have to go look for nobody in no other church with all this going on. Brother Stevenson said he'd have revival one way or the other. 
aren't these such classy people? Exodus 32 and 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron. Now I'm going to not dig into this too much, but I need to stop so that you can just kind of understand the rest of it. Because when I read these verses that we're going to finish reading in just a moment I had such a revelation of body, soul and spirit and when you begin to look at this verse, the people represent the flesh Moses represents the spirit man Aaron is that weak soul gathered themselves together unto Aaron. When the spirit man went to the mountain with God, the flesh got together with the soul and said, Make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto to them, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. I want you to be thinking about this with what I brought up in that perspective and in that way of looking at it. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graven tool after he had made it a molten calf and they said these be thy gods O Israel which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt and when Aaron saw it he built an altar before it and Aaron made proclamation and said tomorrow is a feast to the Lord and they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play the Lord said unto Moses Go, get thee down for thy people which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf, an idol, and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Verse 15. And Moses turned and went down from the mount and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides. On the one side and on the other were they written. And the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, It is not the voice of them that shout for mastery, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hand and brake them beneath the mount. And he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire. Now from this point on, and I'm not going to focus on this tonight, 
But from this point on in your Bible, they did not wear jewelry. What they wore on the outside was ground down into powder, strolled upon the water, and it was drank into their belly. It's a foreshadowing of what the Holy Ghost is supposed to do. It puts the gold on the inside and strolled it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. You can put your Bible down. When reading these verses many weeks ago, this is the thought that came into my mind. Good morning, Monday. Good morning, Monday. Would you lift your hands to the Lord? I need God to talk to me. I need God to talk to me tonight. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to just clap your hands and worship him, asking him to help us tonight. God bless you. You can be seated. It is the tendency of man to gaze. To gaze does not necessarily mean to focus your attention in a way that provokes you to do something. Focus would be when you're trying to figure something out so that you can find a solution and then move on from where you're at with that solution. But to gaze is not a healthy thing, at least not once it's being done for very long. I think one easy example that we could understand quickly is it's not a sin for you to glance at somebody. It becomes a sin when you look too long. And there are some things that are not sins at a glance, but they become sins when you begin to gaze. It is when you begin to look more at things with the wrong motive than with the right motive. It would be like a young man, instead of focusing on the ministry, he gazes at the pulpit. His attention's not how it needs to be. It would be like a young lady, instead of focusing on being used, she gazes at singing a solo. I want the attention that comes along with it. The accolades, the things of that nature that would really result in your destruction because if God gives you something before you're ready for it, your dream can become your destruction. Why are you saying all this tonight? I felt in the spirit at 647 this evening that God is so intended to take this church to something powerful and great and wonderful that we need to have this service 
to make sure that our focus is right. Or there will be people in this church that will learn how to be used while being lost. What a terrible thing to learn how to be used and be lost. I felt nudged in my spirit as I sat on this platform that this church would become a place for the healing of ministries, a place for the healing of families that preachers and churches that have thrown preachers and ministry families away that they would come to this church and that God would use this church and this man to heal them. And I felt in my spirit that the Lord tested this church and tested this man just a few numbers of years ago with a certain situation. And because of your response to that, God says, I'm going to send more. And I'm going to send them into this church to be healed. And after they're healed, I'm going to send them out to heal. There are not just backsliders coming to this church. And there are not just new converts coming into this church. There are families that are doing their best to live for God, but something has thrown them and they're not stable anymore. And they're going to need a stable church. Now, a stable church is not just a stable congregation, but you as an individual, you're meant to be a stable church. You, sir, you, even while you have anger that you've been unable to control, you, ma'am, even though you've had bitterness from people that have done you wrong, God is waiting on you to get stable so that he can trust people into your bosom, into your arms. I'm telling you, there's such a ministry of healing coming to this church that it's going to be like it's just turned on its ear. Listen to me. We're going to understand ministry in a different way. Every man and woman in this church is a minister. Every man and woman in this church has a ministry of some sort. And it will not be just that preachers and their wives come into this church to minister to this church, but I'm prophesying to you in the Holy Ghost that there will be men and their wives and their children that will come into this church to be ministered to. And you good saints of God that will never preach a camp meeting will help save the soul of somebody that will. Telling you, you can write this stuff down tonight. There are men and women in this church that you have battled depression and anxiety and things of that nature. And once you get the victory over it, God is going to use you to drive it out of other people's lives. But I cannot have authority without stability. Authority will never live longer than my stability. I've got to be stable. Why does it mean anything if you could cast the spirits of nicotine off of somebody, but you can't bring yourself to the altar? What good is authority without stability? What would it be like to be able to teach a Bible study, but you can't even tell yourself to come to the prayer room? I'm talking in the Holy Ghost right now and I'm telling you it is of no use to be able to rattle off in tongues without being able to make up your mind to be in church this old belief 
that is in the South and even in many other places, but especially in the South and in the Northwest, that says, me and God's got our own thing going. That's a lie from a devil's hell. You and God don't just have your own thing going. You and God and everybody else together as a body have got your own thing going. I don't know yet who I'm starting out talking to in the Holy Ghost, but your ear, if you cut it off tonight, don't have nothing going on anymore. And if you cut yourself off from the church, you're just death waiting to heaven. And if you've cut yourself off from the church, I'm believing tonight that somebody under the unction of the Holy Ghost could pick you back up and put you back up on the side of the church the way Jesus did that man in the New Testament. And a miracle could happen. Let me talk somebody tonight out of missing out on the prayer room. Let me talk to somebody tonight about not missing out on worship and not missing out on clapping your hands and not missing out on being faithful to church. I don't want to just have revival and roll on past you backslide. I don't want to just have revival and 10 years go by and you have to pray back through into the church. You need to get yourself stable tonight. Not just stable about being here 30 minutes late and leaving 15 minutes early. I've made up my mind that I'm going to get not just into the spiritual things. I'm getting into the practical things. I got to submit my flesh to the will of God. I'm going to be at church come hell or high water. I'm going to be in the altar no matter what's going on in my life. I refuse to have a bitter spirit. I refuse to live with unforgiveness. I refuse to be tossed about by every strange wind of doctrine. Before I talk about people, I'm going to pray for them. Before I start critiquing everything the preacher preaches, I'm going to apply it to my life. Stability. Authority demands stability. I realize when we get into the church, we look at everything as supernatural. It's because when you get into the church, your eyes are open to the spiritual for the first time, so that's all you see. But once you live for God a little while, you realize... It took the supernatural to get me here. But it's going to take a little bit of practicality to keep me here. Unless I make up my mind. It won't matter how good they sing. And unfortunately, it won't matter who preaches. If I don't make up my mind. Isn't it interesting when you start this kind of preaching, the people that would shout on Monday start putting up walls on Wednesday. Listen to me. You cannot fool me with your worship. You cannot fool me with your praise. And you cannot fool God with those things either. You have got to have your mind made up that when the rubber meets the road and the storm has come into my life, I'm still going to live for God. Somebody help me tonight. I've made up my mind. If nobody shakes my hand, if nobody hugs my neck, that's not why I'm at church. Well, let's talk in the Holy Ghost for a minute before we move on. 
Why you're so angry that they didn't greet you? Did you greet them? Why you're so angry that nobody shook your hand? Did you shake anybody's hand? Why you're so angry? Nobody even spoke to me when I came to church. Did you speak to anybody? Because when you say nobody spoke to me, that means you didn't do any talking either. Come on, it'd be a total different thing if you spoke to them and they just shrugged you off and you were like dirt between their toes. But when you walk in with an attitude to church, people scared to talk to you. Well, I feel like I'm after some kind of spirit in this room tonight. Hey, I, I'm going to stop here and tell somebody in here, it's time for you to stop trying to make this man of God behind me prove himself to you. It's time for you to stop grading everything she does. God said, I give you pastors according to my heart. And this is what you got because God said this is what you needed. Somebody that's been in this church a while, shout yes. yes. Well, you can be seated. We come to church. We love going to the mountain. And I believe we should go to the mountain if we can every service. I enjoy when the singers start singing and the Holy Ghost blows in and you just feel like you're higher now than you were when you got here. Isn't it a wonderful thing to come in all beat up and before the service is over, you feel safe. I got to the top of the mountain. I got face to face with God. I'm eye to eye with God. But in order to get to these mountaintop experiences, our flesh has to die. That's what the prayer room's for. We come into that prayer room so our flesh will die. You want to talk about trying to have church and it's just about impossible. You have a dead prayer room and good music and that don't mean you had church. But the people that get the most out of the service are the ones that spent the most time in the prayer room making sure their flesh was dead. You come into the room with one way that you thought service would go and before you got out of that prayer room things was happening I believe it's the will of God that people get the Holy Ghost in this prayer room in this church it's the will of God that people come out of wheelchairs and they're healed not when the singers start singing only but in the prayer room I believe tonight that there's probably five people in this house possibly children or whatever that could get the Holy Ghost before this service is over with but the only way that'll happen is if we as a body say I'm making sure I'm killing my flesh Lord I'm submitting my flesh to you I'm laying my flesh on an altar Listen to me. Your flesh is not dead until it hurts. Your flesh is not dead until something sacrificed. The only way that you know your flesh is dead is that you've laid it down and you've wrestled with it. And when worship starts, it's like you're face to face with God. When the preacher starts preaching, you're not having trouble understanding what he's saying this time because your flesh isn't trying to discern the message. Your spirit is already in the spirit that it's coming to you, trying to talk to you. Your spirit is in direct correlation and connection with the word of God. I tonight have decided to lay my flesh down so that God 
wouldn't have to move me out of the way to move to the person beside me. I would like tonight that our flesh would be so dead that healing could flow through every man in this house. I would like tonight, ma'am, that your flesh would be so dead that you would quit holding your husband's past over his head and you'd say, let's just go to the mountain with God. Anybody want to go to the mountain tonight? I want to go to the mountain where I still believe in miracles. I want to go to the mountain where I still believe in revival. I want to go to the mountain where I still believe in giving to foreign missions and giving to revival itself. I want to go to the mountain to the point that God could speak to me about my business decisions and God could talk to me about my children and the Lord could counsel me according to my marriage. I want to go over the mountain with God tonight. To go to the mountain, your flesh can't go. Because your flesh will not glory in his presence. That was the trouble. We find in one area of Exodus, I think it's Exodus 19. Don't quote me on it exactly, but... The Lord spoke up to Moses and he said, you got to do something lest the people break through to gaze. Because if they gaze, I'll have to break through on them. Gazing doesn't produce the kind of breakthrough you want. And in churches especially, I don't know how long this church has been around, but we have a tendency to gaze at what God did. And then we gaze at what God said's coming. But we lose our vision for right now. You can't live off a vision from the past and vision for the future without vision for the now. Because now's the only time you live in. Gazers focus on what's already came and they focus on what's coming. But they're blind to what's now. Gazers, in 1972, I saw somebody get such and such miracle. The preacher gets up prophesying what's coming, and you can shout. But he says, God will heal you tonight. Mm. It's easier for me to look at it than it is to believe in it. Nothing scares me more than walking into a church that only talks about the past. Because they're looking, but they aren't moving. The trouble is, if you're looking backward, that's where you're headed. And a church that lives in the past is one that's focused on the past. But a church that has victories is one that's focused on right now. Right now. Right now. Gazing. It's what happened in the book of Acts. He told so it happened in the book of Acts when Jesus ascended. And the disciples watched him as he went up through the clouds. And they said, why don't we just have church here forever? But what I need you to see tonight is that them...
wanting to stay where they were, focused on what God had just done was a lack of faith. Because the Jews, when a sacrifice was accepted, would watch as the smoke went up. This was a Jewish tradition. And as the smoke went up, they would watch it because if wind came and blew it to the left or to the right, it meant the sacrifice wasn't accepted. But if it went straight up and disappeared into the sky, it means the sacrifice was accepted. The disciples were following tradition. You ain't heard me yet tonight. I need you to put that together. The disciples were following carnal tradition to discern if God was really God or not. They were trying to let tradition discern if the miracle was coming. And they watched, and the voice said, Why stand you here gazing? You got to move. What is going on? They were watching to see if Jesus would have went to the left or to the right, but he was going straight up. They knew if he's accepted, the promise is coming down. The fire is coming down. The Holy Ghost is coming down. So while they were standing there trying to figure it all out, instead of just trusting God and moving on to the upper room, you have got to go beyond just gazing at what God's promised you into the place that, that God has promised you it was going to happen. I'm not just interested in gazing at the Lord as he ascends. I'm not just going to gaze at my promise. I'm not just going to gaze at my prophecy. I'm going to start moving toward what he promised me. And watch what we do. Why aren't you moving forward? Oh, I'm just keeping my eyes on Jesus. Yeah, but that's not what he asked you to do. He told you where it was going to come down. He told you where the fire was going to fall. And now you're at this high place of supernatural experience and you're at such a height that you say, let's just stay here and have church for the rest of our lives. But what you don't understand is you could have church there, but you couldn't sustain life there. I wish, and I remember all of the youth conferences and things going up to where when Friday night was over and I was headed home, I would cry because I knew my struggles meeting me when I get out of this atmosphere. The old addiction is going to meet me when I get out of this atmosphere. The temptation to carnality and, and carnal music is going to meet me. That old connection with relationship is going to meet me. My generational curses are going to meet me. And if I don't have my feet where they need, to be in the natural. I won't be able to survive on the mountain. And that's what I'm trying to preach somebody right now. Your struggle isn't the ability to look at what God's doing while you're on the mountain. Here's your struggle. Your struggle is to walk down that mountain while keeping your integrity moving into what God's promised you. Listen, your struggle isn't being able to see God as he ascends and see the angels and see the prophets and understand the deep things of the word. Your struggle is keeping yourself from 
looking at pornography on Monday morning. Your struggle is keeping the music off when you're riding the back roads in your Z71 and it's just you and a couple buddies. Your struggle is not keeping up with the wrong things. Oh yeah, you can shout when you get to church. You can clap when Brother Stevenson's teaching. But can you live what he taught? Because Monday's coming. Our struggle is not to go to the mountain. It's what to do when we're done. I don't know anybody that wouldn't want to be able to say you've been on top of Mount Everest. I believe anybody in this room, if you had a way to get to the top of Mount Everest to where you could write it down and keep it in a scrapbook, you'd do it tonight. But you've been beyond that. You've been in another atmosphere like this man said earlier. You've been in an entire different stratosphere. You've been beyond the moon. We're beyond everything that consists of this earth right now. We are seated in heavenly, heavenly places. We're at a height that the natural man cannot go to. And the only way we got here was our flesh had to die. We'd still be down at the bottom of the mountain. But our flesh had to die in order to let our spirit man get face to face with God. When I get to the top, am I so afraid of life that I bring a sleeping bag so I never have to leave the church? Or am I spiritually mature to go sleep in my bed and handle my business right? Let me talk to young men. It don't matter how anointed you are if you can't stay in your own bedroom. It don't matter how anointed you are if you can't keep from watching the wrong stuff. And that don't have anything to do with dancing and running. That has to do with a made-up mind. The flesh. It's like a disconnect happens when you start going to the mountain. And your flesh gets turned inside out by your spirit where you see the flesh man right now but if you look me in my eyes that's not what you see while I'm preaching you can see my spirit man I can see your spirit man I can see your spirit woman I can see your spirit while I preach but if you haven't made up your mind that your flesh is going to stay submitted to your spirit there's going to be a mess waiting for you when you get out of this mountaintop experience with God. That's why some people, they won't look you in the eyes while you preach. It's because their flesh is doing things it shouldn't be doing and watching things it shouldn't be watching. The people that have always got to put their head down when you walk by, those are people that are saying, I'm going to pretend like I'm making it to the mountain, but my flesh, my flesh is in control of everything in my life. Let me tell you the only people that have a struggle getting the Holy Ghost. It's the people that won't kill their flesh. The only people that have a struggle living for God are the ones that won't keep their flesh dead. The only ones that are blown in with one revival and blown out with the other revival are the ones that want the church to drag them to the mountain without killing their flesh. 
man, you can't handle what God's got coming for you if you're a fleshly man. Don't you let Brother Stevenson do all your praying. Don't you let his wife do all your praying, young ladies. You got to get your own altar. They may can pray your prayer of faith, but they can't give you your sacrifice. Monday's coming. And the devil's going to check out if it's dead or not. We need to fill after him for 30 seconds right here. I feel like God is reaching for somebody right now. That you're in trouble and there's things nobody else in this room knows that you're dealing with. And you're on the edge of giving up and on the edge of quitting. But if you'll kill your flesh tonight and let your spirit get face to face with God. And then make up your mind that's just how it's going to be. You're going to make it. Come on, right now, right now, right now. You can't stay on the mountain forever and live here. You got to run to that next mountain called the upper room where your promise is coming. And the only way you're going to get there is you got to keep your character. You got to keep your purity. You got to keep your integrity on the way down from an experience to a promise. When you're making your way from an experience to a promise, you got to keep yourself in check. How many people is it that Jesus worked miracles for that didn't show up to the prayer meeting when the promise came? Because they were infatuated with the supernatural but didn't want anything to do with the lifestyle. They loved when legs grew back and devils were cast out. Why is it that some people love God at a distance? They're infatuated in experience, but they don't want to make the trip from experience with infatuation to a promise. Listen to me. Infatuation won't carry you to an upper room. Only love will. Only love will keep your flesh dead. So I see Moses be seated, the spirit man. The flesh, it can't go to the top. Only the spirit man can. Moses makes his way to get face to face with God. It's that encounter we're having right now where the spirit man goes to the top and the flesh has to stay at the bottom. Moses gets face to face with God. The flesh gets restless. And the flesh begins to commune with the soul. The weak priest. Come on, the spirit is the strong priest. The soul is the weak priest. That's more interested. And this is where a lot of churches are. They live having church in the atmosphere with the weak priest. And it's called sensationalism and emotionalism. <clears throat> and in that atmosphere, it feels almost the same. But it's not pure. 
you don't define a move of the Spirit by the power behind it. You define it by the purity within it. It didn't matter how good Aaron was at making idols. It doesn't matter how good your emotional and your fleshly being is at creating things that will take you to hell. If it's not pure, it's not right. It doesn't matter how good I make it look and how in love you are with that girl or how in love you are with that boy. If it's not pure, it's not right. Spirit man, face to face with God. Communion. Having such a conversation, Pastor Stevenson, the spirit man says, my God, i got a way to live before I get off of this mountain. The Lord's carving it out in stone. He's showing him, this is how you got to live, Moses. you got to be separate. you got to be different. You can't do this and you can't do that. And the spirit man doesn't start talking about a God of laws. He just lets him put his law in his heart. Because when you're spirit to spirit with God, you don't start talking about rules and regulations. You start talking about love. It's only when the spirit man has come off of the mountain that the flesh starts trying to debate on what's heaven or hell. Face to face with God. Like we are right now. And the flesh said... Where is that man, Moses? It's that little bit of disconnect. Some of you right now, your flesh, you aren't even thinking about it at all. It just feels like your spirit's the only thing alive. And the flesh says, you know what? Where is that man, Moses? I'm restless down here while he's at the top. I couldn't go up there to the top with him. All I would have done was gaze. Flesh couldn't handle the glory. It looks at the weak priest, the soul, the sensational, the emotional, emotionalism. I got to do something to satisfy me. I've got to find some form of idol worship. For when I'm at the bottom of the mountain. I've got to find something. To build and to carve out. To entertain me. While I'm at the bottom of a mountain. Oh I'm scared of people that can't live without a form of entertainment every day. Entertainment. And emotionalism. And sensationalism. Have nothing to do with the spirit realm. But you can't live super spiritual all the time. So you've got to find a way to have restraints set in stones at the bottom while your spirit's eye to eye with God at the top. If I don't have accountability restraints that I have put on myself. I, I taught a, a men's conference. And boy, when I tell you we had people coming out of the woodwork coughing up devils, 
that were a part of the church. I'm not saying this is in here. I'm just telling you a story. Coughing up devils that were a part of the church. Men eating up with pornography that were running and shouting and dancing on Sunday night. I told them, I said, listen, there's an app called Covenant Eyes. You can get on your iPad. You can get on your computer. You can get on your phone. And it'll protect you from pornography. It'll build a wall. And when you log on to that site, it'll email your wife or email whoever your accountability partner is, and it'll send them a screenshot of what you were just looking at. And I said, you could build a wall for $18.99 a month. But some of you say that costs too much to save your marriage. But still dancing. Still shouting. But you're on top of the mountain while living with unrestrained flesh. Perversion happens when your spirit goes to church on Sunday and your flesh does what it wants every other day of the week. Let me tell you, when your flesh doesn't get satisfied on Sunday, if you don't have the right boundaries set up, it will rip your world apart when you leave this atmosphere. So I saw Moses coming down the mountain. I thought about it. It's that day after church that you just wore out. You're exhausted. Your spirit man's tired. Praying an hour felt like a good idea while you were in the altar, but now that you've woke up, you're tired. Well, I'll just put it off. I'll pray Tuesday. Tuesday comes and you're tired. Uh, uh, I got church Wednesday night. And before you know it, you done had one of the worst fights, arguments that you've had in a long time because your flesh has come back alive. And come Wednesday night, you don't even show up to the prayer room because you got a vendetta between somebody because you couldn't handle life at the bottom of the mountain. And then you wonder, so-and-so was shouting Sunday. Why do they look half-backslid tonight? Because they made it to the bottom again on Monday without any restraints or accountability. You follow me tonight? I'm trying to save somebody before you destroy yourself. I'm trying to keep somebody from destroying your family, destroying your future, destroying your integrity, destroying your good reputation. I'm trying to talk to somebody right now and to tell you as much as I want you to go nuts when I give this altar call, if you can ha not handle yourself in the morning, you going nuts in this altar doesn't help anything. I have got to make up my mind not just to live for God tonight, but I've got to make up my mind right now that I'm living for him tomorrow. 
We've got people that don't have a problem repenting for today, but they got a problem living in repentance for tomorrow. And we've got people that don't have a problem with making up their mind to live for God tonight, but come tomorrow, they've got a struggle that says, I don't know if my mind's still made up. I don't know if I can still live like this. I don't know if I can still pray like this. I don't know if I can still walk like this and dress like this. Let me tell you something. That only happens when your flesh is unrestrained and it's out of control and you run through that supernatural atmosphere and your spirit can come alive and you can shout and run and dance. But what matters more than your dance tonight is your walk tomorrow. Let me tell you how to have power. Have purity. One of the greatest keys to power is stability. You can never have authority without stability when you don't feel as spiritual as you did in this atmosphere. Moses is coming down from an encounter with God. And he meets up with unrestrained flesh. And the spirit man breaks the law. Only the only time your spirit wants to quit is when your flesh is out of control. As I saw him coming down the mountain, Pastor Stevenson, something in my spirit said, good morning, Monday. It's what it feels like when you wake up tired and you're tempted by the wrong things. You don't feel as strong as you did when you were at the top. Good morning, Monday. Let me tell you something. Thursday morning's coming. Friday morning's coming. Saturday night's coming. Monday morning's coming. Tuesday morning's coming. There's going to come a time to where you better have the boundaries set up in your world or it won't matter what you did face to face with God. But if I could get somebody today, get your flesh with the right kind of boundaries to get your fleshly mind to the point that your spirit ruled over your flesh. What I need somebody tonight is not to talk about the maximum you're willing to do for God, but to talk about the minimum that you're willing to appease your flesh. I need somebody to say, this is the lowest that I'm willing to go. I will not go any lower than right here. I will not live life missing multiple services week. I will not live life saying I'm going to live missing all them prayer meeting. I've made up my mind. When I'm wore out, I will not clap less than this. I will not dance less than this. I will not worship less than this. I need somebody to say, I may not can pray two hours a day, but I'm never willing to pray less than 15 minutes a day. I'm never willing to fast more less than one day a week. I'm never Never willing to miss a church service again unless it's been something I can't control. We can not only have the maximum we want to achieve, 
We've got to have the minimum we're willing to lower ourselves to. Because if you don't have a minimum, your maximum won't hold you. You don't live for God on the mountain. You worship God on the mountain. You live for him at the bottom. Monday's coming. And if you don't get yourself under control, it's going to throw you. It's going to be like a bull. It's going to throw you and walk all over you. I want to talk somebody to the place tonight. That when the morning gets here, it's not a good morning. As in I'm afraid of what I'm going to do. And I'm afraid of what I'm going to succumb to. And I'm afraid of what I'm going to watch. And I'm afraid of, I feel like I'm just talking to somebody right now. I'm afraid of what I'm going to listen to. I'm afraid of who I'm going to do it with. I want somebody to wake up tomorrow and say, I'm not afraid of being destroyed. His mercy is made new every morning. I've made up my mind. I'm going to live for God in the morning. I've made up my mind. I'm going to live for God the next day. I've made up my mind. I'm not just shouting on Sunday. I'm going to have discipline on Monday. I want you to stand right now with your hands lifted. Would you cry out to the Lord? Come on. I'm reaching for a soul here tonight. Sir, you don't have to live in bondage to that thing. Put a boundary up in your life. My God, I feel so sensitive in the spirit, I'm almost afraid to come lay hands on some of you. Come on, young lady. It's not trouble to dress right tonight. What are you going to do tomorrow when the youth group's not with you anymore? Come on, would you lift your voice for a moment here tonight? Listen, stay where you're at. I want you, while you're standing there listening, I want you to be thinking about killing that flesh. 1899, you can build a wall, sir. 1899 a month, you can never go there again. And you tell me it's too expensive to save your children. 1899 a month, sir. 1899, young man. You can go sack groceries at a store and save your soul to pay that bill until you can handle your flesh. Did I tell a story at that youth rally about a young man breaking his cell phone? I did, didn't I? Can you cut that off? My little stepbrother. <laughs>